0: Amen, amen. So this morning, uh, then we're continuing in this series on the Lord's Prayer. And um, today we come to those famous words, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And I have to confess, you know, most of this sermon was prepped. It was buttoned up. It was ready to go uh, midweek. And I thought I understood where the Lord was leading us. And then I got the phone call. And as I hung up the phone those same four words came to my mind. Thy will be done. And I prayed to God, I said, we're gonna need to retool this, aren't we, Lord? <laughs> because in that moment, the, the prayer took on an entirely new meaning for me. And so I wanna ask this with you this morning, I, I want us just to think together, what are we actually asking when we pray, thy kingdom come? Thy will be done. What do we mean by God's will? Turn with me if you would. We're going to read Matthew 6. as has been our custom in this series each Sunday. Matthew 6. And this morning as we focus in, as we hone in on uh, the will of God, I want to invite you to start at verse 9. And you can say this and pray this aloud with me if you would. Um. Let's say this together, will you? Pray like this, Jesus said Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power the glory forever. Amen. grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Dennis Rainey, who is the co-founder of Family Life, he once wrote about a pilgrimage he made to Europe, visiting these ancient churches out in the rural country along the way. And of all the places that he went, Rainey said this one particular church stuck out with him in a, in a tangible way. He said outside the chapel doors was this cemetery uh, like you would see in many of the 18th, 17th century churches in that area. And as he sort of perused through the history of this, this lawn, he noticed there were these three gravesides side by side. The first two gravestones were of a mom and her young child who had just died weeks apart. The third was of a father who had perished just a few years later. Rainey began to think, what must it be like to go through that kind of tragedy? You know, we're so blessed in this day and age. We we don't touch death like they did back then. But it was clear that death had visited more than just this family, but this this church. And then Ranius, he was trying to process this. He noticed this on the headstone of the Father. These words that were etched in stone, still for us to read today. And this is what it said. It said, we cannot, Lord, thy purpose see, but all is well that's done by thee. We cannot, Lord, thy purpose see, but all is well that's done by thee we pray the words, thy will be done, I'll ask again, what, what exactly are we praying for? You know, as many of you know, I served in youth ministry for nearly two decades, and I, I'm not exaggerating at all when, when I tell you that not a month went by where this kind of question came bubbling up to the surface. It was never direct. We never talked specifically about God's will, but it was always implied, right? The students would ask me questions like this. Tell me if you've said these before. How do I know what college God wants me to attend? Or how can I be certain of God's plan for who I'm supposed to marry? What if I choose the wrong major and I end up taking the wrong path? And even though the questions always sort of morph, they always carry this same theme. What is God's will for my life? It's not just adolescents that ask these sorts of questions. right? As, as adults, it gets even more pertinent. We wonder, should I Take this career path or that one. Or we ask, how many children should we have? Or we wonder, why can't we have children despite our efforts? We wonder, uh, where should I move my family? Or is it time to buy that house? Or should I make that investment? What do I do with my aging parents? Or what do I do with aging myself? You know, we could go on and on and on, but, but for the Christian, what I want you to see is it's really all the same prayer. God, what is your will? And then there are the moments, much like the one many of us are sitting in right now, where you suddenly feel life absolutely rocked. And as you sit in shock, you ask, maybe even out loud, God, this is your will? What do we mean when we pray, thy will be done? I mean, what is the will of God? How do we even find it? Turn with me to Deuteronomy 29, 29. I'll have this up on the screens too, and I want you to look at what it says about God's will. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. Let me say that again. I want this to soak in. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. She's God's people. We should understand, right? This will of the Father, it really falls into two specific categories. First, Deuteronomy tells us th- there is a secret will of God, right? There are these things that belong solely to Him that are, are wholly His and not meant for us to know. And second, there is a revealed will of God He's given us His word. Moses tells us that that belongs to us to our children forever. See, and so in the one sense, there is um, a will of God that we trust in, that, that we pray for, that we will never comprehend. But on the other hand, we have this will of God that lays out entirely what God intends for you and I to know. 66 books of God's will sits in the palm of your hand. Look at this in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. It says this, it says, I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all that my purpose. Do you know from the very beginning, long before you and I walked this earth, Almighty God, who is unlike any other, declared the end you know that from ancient times things not yet done God said my counsel will stand when God sends his decree it goes forth and it won't be stopped Psalm 139 says this it says David says how precious to me are your thoughts O God how vast is the sum of them if I were to count them they are more than the sand on the earth see we will never fully understand this this hidden will of God and yet it's interesting, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, we wrestle with that all the time, right? God, what would you have for me? I mean, you ever wondered, like, man, what if I mess up God's plan for my life? You ever wondered that? Like, what if I make the wrong turn and I ruin everything that God has planned for me? And I didn't even know it. You know, I think the questions are fair and often they lead to our paralysis, but just hear me out, let's think this through. If God is sovereign, if what God decrees stands, maybe we're worried about the wrong thing, because God's will is gonna be achieved anyway. See, I feel like there's many times in our lives where we're obsessed not over what God's revealed will is to us, but for some reason we're stuck in his hidden will. Rather than focus on what we do know, we, we get caught up with what we don't know. You can go all the way back to Adam and Eve and you can see this exact thing playing out, right? They take that fruit of the tree because they want to be all-knowing like God. We want to know. We say, you know what, God, it would be so much easier if you would just give us the crystal ball so that we could shake it and see into the future. See, but really what Adam and Eve failed to focus on was the revealed will of God. God told him. He gave him his revealed word. He said, here's my will. You can eat anything in the garden, just not that. And God's word was perfect. It was, it was good. His word was more than enough. And yet they got so caught up in wanting to know what wasn't for them that they failed to heed what was right before them. See, when we pray, thy will be done, what we're we're praying is really two things, right? First, we're acknowledging that, that God's ways are not my ways, that your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are numerous as the sand on the shore. But second, we're then asking God to help us as he's revealed himself to us and his precepts and law to us to obey. See, there's the hidden will of God and then there's the reveal Will of God. You might remember the story of Joseph and his brothers. You know it's it's ripe with all that, all this sin and brokenness, waywardness. Joseph brags about this dream coat to his brothers. We all know how that goes, particularly those of us who are younger in our families. His brothers, in jealousy, throw him into a pit. They sell him into slavery, and that one act causes this cascade of pain and suffering. You know, and as you read through that story, like, you can't help but ask, like, what was, what was Joseph thinking as he was going through that trial? Did he question God's plan? Lord, why is this happening? Why would you allow this to happen to me? I certainly would have. You know, what it's interesting, when you read the story, what you find is not a man who's trying to discover God's hidden will. Instead, he is laser focused on God's revealed Will. He's focused not on what he doesn't know or what he can't know, but on what he does know. In fact, so much so that at one point we're told he faced the very real temptations of this this woman, but he wouldn't do it, right? Because he knew God's word. He stuck to it, clung to it. And so soon enough, by God's providence, Joseph becomes second in command in Egypt. You'll remember. A famine hits the land. His brothers come crawling back, begging for help. And what does Joseph say? With tears flowing from his eyes, he said, What you meant for evil, God used for good. Did you know that not even your deepest, darkest sin can stop God from achieving the plan of his redemption? Here's how we might understand God's will. There is the secret will of God. Some call this the decreative will. It's it's a will that cannot be stopped or sidetracked or thwarted. And then there is the revealed will of God. Some call this his perceptive will. It's, It's his word revealed to us. And so when we pray, thy will be done, what we mean is, first, God, I trust in the plans and purposes I can't see that aren't meant for me. Because second, I have this revealed word, this all-sufficient word that gives me everything I need to see. Think about it. The Bible has given us a perfect word of who God is, of who we are, of the problem of sin and suffering and death and the solution. The rest is just Details. Maybe you're faced with the decision right now. And you're trying to figure out what God wants from you. What his his will is. And you're you're asking, like, God, what what is your plan for my life? Let's play out a scenario. This one's kind of fun. Let's say you come into some money. Okay? And and you know God's revealed will is to be generous with that money, right? Because his word is clear on this. We're to tithe it. We're to give it to the poor. We're to bless others as we've been blessed. But after that, you think... Well, how can I know God's specific will, though? Like, wh- where do I where do I give it? Do I give it to the nonprofits in town? Do, do I give it directly to the beggar on the street? Do, am I supposed to give it to my family or my friends? I mean, the answer easy from my perspective. You just give it to me. Here's my take: If you are pursuing the revealed will of God, if you are prayerfully following this word and you trust in it for your life, you should take comfort. The rest is freedom. John Calvin said this. He said, where God closes his holy mouth, I will desist from inquiry. John Calvin, he says, where God closes his holy mouth, I will desist from inquiry. How do you know what job to take or if you should move or not or... What you should you do about this or that decision in your life? The sermon's never finished until it's preached. And on my way to the Bozeman site this morning, Jen, who is a godsend my wife, sent me four questions for us. Four questions. What does scripture condemn and command? What does God's word celebrate? What does it confront? And what does it then commit us to? I'll say that again. If you want to know God's will, start here. What does scripture condemn and command? What does God's word celebrate? What does it confront? And what does it then commit us to? I wish I could give that to Jen, but that's Charles Spurgeon. See, that's where we begin to find our answer, right? In prayer, with trusted counsel and God's word open, that's how we find God's will. then comes those moments where God's will has already been done. And all weekend, I have joined you. I don't know how we can, not but ask the question why. Why would God take a young girl with so much potential, a beautiful soul, who is to be the class president, who just took her senior photos five days ago, And take her from us. And here's the humbling answer. We don't know why. We don't know. I don't have that answer, right? We will never know on this side of eternity why Delaney is gone. But here's my flowing thought. Hang with me. What if rather than focus on what we don't know, we return to what we do know? I want us to look at some scriptures together, and I'm going to read these, and I want you to think about what is God's revealed will through his word to us? What does it say to us about the Father's will for you and I's lives? Okay, so let's do this. Look at this in 1 Timothy 2.3. 1 Timothy 2.3. It says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, this is a sit and soak. Let's think about this. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is God's will? 1 Timothy tells us his desire, his will, is that all might be saved and that all might come to the knowledge and the truth of who Jesus is. See, that means when we pray, thy kingdom come, whatever else you might find, paramount to God's will is his desire to see you and I come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ such that we would find salvation in him. That's it, right? That's the entire reason Jesus came. Look at this in John six thirty eight. He says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And then Jesus gets all kinds of detail-oriented. In John 4, 31, you know, the disciples are urging Jesus. They say, Rabbi, you need to eat. And Jesus says to them, he says, I've found, I have food for, you, for, for, for me to eat you don't know about. The disciples are confused like this. They're like, well, who gave him food? And Jesus replies, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What is his work? The Father's will is our salvation. The Father's will is whatever else comes to pass, you and I would know the truth, and by that truth we would be set free. Jesus said, My entire life mission statement I am here on a search and rescue mission. I'm here to seek and save that which is lost. You want to know the, the, the Bible's idea of the Father's will? Just turn to Luke twenty two forty two. 42. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go through the worst a human being could ever suffer. It's, it's, it's imminent. And what does he pray? Not my will, but thy will be done. What is the will of God? With his word open, we could say many things, but really it all adds up to this. God's will, hear me, is nothing less than the redemption and the restoration of a people falling deep into their brokenness and sin. That's it. That's why the one verse all of us have memorized in the room is for God so loved the world. I think that means when we see the worst of this life, when we can't make sense of it, right? When we hear about genocide or famine or war, or trafficking, or disease, or illness, or Delaney's death, and we wonder why, God. When we pray thy will be done, what we're acknowledging is that even in the darkness, God has promised light. And what God decrees shall come to pass. Just consider with me, the darkest moment, the most evil day in all of history, right? The worst day the world has ever known. When they killed Jesus, the skies went black. It seemed all hope was gone. What came of it? What did God do with the the darkest day on earth? Jesus comes walking out of the grave. Nothing can separate us from God's love that is found in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in a place right now where you're struggling to understand, God, what is your plan? Maybe you thought at this age you would have been a lot further along in life. Or maybe you're thinking, why did these things happen to me in my my younger days that I can't make sense of? Or maybe you're confused about a major decision that's coming right before you and you need to make a move. Maybe you're crushed by the weight of this week entirely. What I'm saying is when life doesn't make sense, as God's people, we return to the only thing that does. And the answer to every question that we've ever had is not found in seeking what you can't know or trying in vain to understand what you won't know. It's found in rediscovering what we do know. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. See, what's been revealed to us is not a map that lays out every particular detail of this life, but what's been revealed to us is a person. And all of God's will points us to him. Reminds me of Beethoven in his final breath. You know, it said when they found Beethoven dead on the floor, His fists were clenched as though he wanted to punch God in the face. His lips were grimaced with anger and hate. He could not believe this lot he'd been given in this life. He couldn't understand. And maybe you're there right now. But when God's word promises us that all things work together for the good of those who love him, and we pray thy will be done, we can assure ourselves that will stands. I rarely close with a nerdy quote, and we've been chewing on meat this morning, but I want you to see this. It's a quote from the Westminster Confession, and maybe you've heard of the document, maybe you haven't. The confession are these words that were put together by really some of the most brilliant Bible scholars in history, hundreds of them. And it says this It says, When we say, Thy will be done, we acknowledge that we and all humans are by nature not only completely incapable of and unwilling to know and do the will of God, but are actively prone to rebel against his word, to be unhappy and complain about his providence. We're naturally inclined to follow our own selfish desires and even the directions of Satan. And so we pray then that God would by his spirit remove from us and others all spiritual blindness, weakness, indisposition to spiritual activities, and perverseness of heart, and that he would by his grace make us willing to know do, and submit to his will in every circumstance. When we pray, thy will be done, it is not bitter acceptance. It is not anger and defeat. It might be with tears and confusion in our hearts. But when we pray those words, it's us putting our trust in the perfect and holy will of God the Father. Because we know his will. His will is, as John 1 says, a light shining in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome. You know, what I've seen in my walk of life as a pastor time and time again, and this week's no exception. The darker the storm, the brighter we see the light of Christ. Did you know that? The darker the storm, the brighter we see the light of Christ. I will tell you firsthand, you can ask Mark and Chantelle. They've never been overwhelmed by the love of God like this week. And even in their darkest hour, even in our darkest moments, we can trust that that darkness is not the end. That Jesus has said he's coming back to take every wrong of this world and make it right and to wipe away every tear that's in our eyes right now. And we're gonna live in glory together with him. Friends, this week, don't set your mind on the things of this earth. Keep your mind fixed on the things that are above Pray with me, will you? Oh God, we have all found ourselves in the places of life. Some even now, where we want to pray Jesus' words: of, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And yet, Lord, we we go to Your Word and we realize Your will, and we know that Jesus was the forsaken one, not us. We know that Jesus took the curse on our behalf, that Jesus promised us he would never leave us, that by the Holy Spirit, you are with us even now. And so God, in those areas of life where we are longing for answers and where everything inside of us with rage wants to know why, God, I pray, would you turn us back to your revealed will. Lord, would you remind us again, would you comfort us with the promise of your son, Jesus Christ? And Lord, would we join him in saying, even through tears, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, give us that strength this week. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.